7 o'clock on October 1st. Can you believe it? It is Thursday, October 1st. This is Back from the Brink. I'm Todd Brinker. Aaron will be joining us in just a few minutes. Um, I hope, I hope, I hope. I know we're still having some issues with sound quality. I uh, hope that we fix that. At the front end of this, I I tend to be kind of really low. And then after Aaron joins us for some reason, then my sound comes up. And I'm not quite sure why. I'm doing my best to um, to manage that and to mitigate it and trying to do some investigating. So I apologize to those of you who have had some listening issues recently. And uh, um, hopefully this is coming in a little louder and I'm talking a little louder and closer to my mic. And we're seeing what we can do to pick up the sensitivity uh, and increase the gain so you can hear what we're saying. Um, and if you don't want to hear what we're saying, then why are you listening to me? Uh, or maybe you're not. Um, so today on the radio show, we had um, a variety of things going on. And we started the morning with uh, Gerald Salente. And if you don't remember Gerald Salente, let me tell you, this is the guy who uh, he, he manages Trends Journal. And you can find him at TrendsJournal.com. And uh, he sells an online magazine. It's kind of pricey. I think it's a couple hundred bucks a year to subscribe to it. Um, but he basically does forecasting of trends. He watches the trends and what's going on. He's a very entertaining speaker. And um, sometimes some of his ideas are a little out there. But I'll tell you what, when we had him on just prior to or just as the the COVID pandemic was beginning here in the United States, he he spoke about some outlandish things. But you know what? He was kind of on target for stuff. His delivery method is a little little outlandish. And, you know, that makes for entertaining uh, conversation. But, uh, you know, he's pretty dang accurate sometimes. Um, I mean, some of the stuff's a little out there. But uh, but uh, he's an interesting guy, and he certainly makes you think. Uh, during the interview, Erin was basically almost at a loss for words. She she literally had to say, um, yeah, I'm processing. Let me, let, me, let me think about exactly what you're saying here. Because the guy also, like, spews stuff out, like boom, 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 boom. Um, he is a New Yorker, so he ha- sort of has that same... Um, He's less combat- combative, at least when he's on our show, but he has that same sort of uh, uh, cadence that, that Trump does when he gets going sometimes. And uh, and so, you know, us Californians are a little more laid back. and we got to get used to got to get used to that. Although, you know, we're Southern California, right? <laughs> so anyhow, um, that's uh, what's going on in the world. Oh, here's Aaron. Let's see if we can get her to join us. Hey. Hey. Are you on? Are we on? I am on. Let's see if I can bring you up. You sound a you're a little little low here. All right. Testing one, two, three. Four, five, six. Pick up sticks. That's right. I know an old lady who lived in a shoe. Um and, and her name was Gerald Salente. <laughs> No. Yes. Not no. At all. He's not a little old lady, but but he he's certainly a high energy and interesting speaker. I was just saying that, um, you know, he he has a very New York style delivery, so it's there's a certain cadence that comes at you fast and furious. And although you know he's not combative when he's on our show as a guest, um, 
like like Trump is a very combative speaker. He has a similar type of cadence to that in that he you know his um, his uh, it's it's just a New York you know. It's an urgency that, yeah, that other new, parts of the country don't have in their speech. Right. Yeah. There's a New York speak that's very distinct. It's not just their accent. It's it's uh, or they'll say what accent. But, uh, um, <laughs> you know, it, it's it, they're just a delivery pattern in the way that they talk. You're right. They're kind of an urgency sort of, uh, you know, say it quickly because otherwise you won't hear me. Um, and uh and he's interesting because although he says some things that are a little outlandish, um, you know, you, you go back and look at what he was saying early on, and, and he's he's right on some issues too. He's been spot on on certain things. So, yes. um, yeah, it's uh, it's uh, you know he he makes for interesting interesting conversation for sure. Indeed, indeed, I think uh, you know now's a good time for a Bible study. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. You know, well, what are you going to lean into? What do you lean into? You lean into faith. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it also means that that uh, those so inclined will be doing what they can for preparation if they believe, you know, that we're going to be start seeing some real economic downturns. Um, you know, uh, if if you want to be more of an optimist, you can also say that the the um, job numbers have come back significantly faster than almost all the economists predicted. They're not back to where they were, but un- unemployment went almost to 20 percent, and it's now down, now at 8 percent and and climbing. So, um, you know, but then now we're starting to see a bunch of layoffs, so that may slow the whole thing down. So, um, you know, it's it's um, you know, I mean, time's going to tell how how it's going to work and what's going to happen. So, but we've had some good news as well. But uh, so Americans tend to be optimistic. That's part of our culture. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I've got to think that that some of this is in our control. Some of this, you know, we can we can impact in a positive way. So, you know, if you are still working, you can, um, you know, go to local businesses and uh, and patronize them. You know, go yeah. to that restaurant once a week. Do the things that uh, that will help keep other people employed, um, you know, help your community be connected to community i think that that connectedness to your immediate surroundings um uh and community are are going to become increasingly mm-hmm. important yeah well it helps you and it helps them too it, it does but and beyond that it's it's the social emotional you know feeling like you know when life is too busy that you can't get to know your neighbor i think that that's going to change i yeah. think it has been changing yeah well that's what i meant by that is it helps you and it helps yeah. them it, you know because because you know too many people live in a community that they don't really, but they don't really have a community. They, they, right. you know, they, they come home, they go in their house and you see them when they're mowing their lawn. And it's like, you know, take a moment, stop and talk to that person and say, Hey, yeah, and say, hey how are you doing? Street. How you doing? Yeah. How are you doing yeah. with all of this? You know? Um, uh, and just that short little human interaction can make all the difference. It really is amazing to think that, that, you know, all of these things like the, the depression and the recession, are largely driven just by people's attitudes and, and their behavior. I mean, you can turn that around on a dime if you if everybody just decides they're going to do it. But it's, you know, it's it's difficult to get that sort of consensus that hey, things are okay. We'll you know we'll start behaving differently, and and the, the economy is is a hundred percent dependent on how we behave. And yes, you know, and, and I have to say that we also can redefine what we think is success. 
you know, we're a very materialistic culture and mm -hmm. and that has driven the global economy. I mean, it's really been the engine in you know, the 20th century was really in the United States was the engine for for affluence around the world. And, um, you know, I, you know, maybe that's maybe we're more mature than that now. Maybe we're, you know, have you watched anything online? Have you ever watched no, the Kardashians? No, no, we're not more mature. <laughs> I'm trying to think. I'm trying to be an optimist, Todd. I know. Then, then maybe I know. we can reset what we think is important. I guess was my yeah you know, where I was going with that. Yeah, it would. Yeah, and it would be very nice. And it, you know, if we if we had some. Um, uh, some trendsetters who are, you know, on YouTube and TikTok and, and Twitter and, and those kind of places, you know, who had, uh, who first of all were like adults in the room, which too many of them aren't, too many of them aren't adults at all, much less adults in the room. They're, they're very, you know, some very young people who have very uh, short-sighted perspectives because, you know, they're not, nobody's looking to that, you know, that, 60 year old person to to there's no uh, wisdom there's plenty of knowledge and absolutely no wisdom right absolutely yeah that's that's uh well said that's you know there there's that that's an issue you know i i have been the first or i shouldn't say the first but i i have railed about the fact that that both of our leaders are very elderly gentlemen um and uh you know it, it would be nice if we had some some you know younger blood um running on the ticket at the top of the tickets, in my opinion, just for sake of, of, of health, um, for both of them. I mean, we've got one guy who's 72 and one guy who's 76 or is it 74 and 78? I think it is. Um, I mean, you know, they're, they are not young men and, and, uh, you know, I have seen, you know, my parents and, and, and my, my wife's parents and, you know, it, as you, as you age, you slow down. I don't care who you are, you know, you're just mentally and physically, you have to, and you have to pace yourself. And that's an excruciating job being president of the United States for, for the best of people, you know? So I worry yeah, about that. How many presidents went into the job with, with dark hair or black hair or whatever. Yeah. And came and out silver haired. And there was pretty, pretty salt and pepper or snow yeah. white. <laughs> yeah. Well, part of that is they go in when they're 50 and come out when they're 60. And, you know, that's sort of the timing or they go in when they're 60 and they come out when they're 70, you know, and then it's, you know, that's part of partially, but part of it has got to be the stress. I mean, the stress yeah. of that job is, is, you know, at least if you're doing it right, you know, if you're not doing it right, you know, you're playing golf every Wednesday, then, then, um, you know, and I say that and I don't mean to take a dig at Trump or anybody because, quite frankly, those, you know, you should, if you're in a high stress job, you need to, whether it's golf or whatever, do something, you know, have something people where you can take, get away. People have days off. I mean, yeah. you know, when the media rails, oh, Trump's on the golf course. Media members, do you work seven mm -hmm. days a week, 24 hours yeah. a day? And the answer, I mean, of course, is no. Obama uh, used to go out and shoot hoops. He had people to come over, then they'd play basketball, you know? Good. And it's good exercise, good. and he would do something to get away from the office to, you know, because, <clears throat> excuse me, when you think about it, he lives at his office. So he, he, was, he was working from home. You know, our presidents have been working from home ever since the White House was built. Yes. Um, now, apply that to everybody who's now working from home that wasn't working from home before. How did that change things, you know? It adds it adds some stress to things because you don't ever walk away from it. Yes, you have does. to be very well, very uh, intentional in in saying, 
okay, work time is over. I'm going to go spend some time with my family. I'm going to go out for a run or I'm going, you know, Clinton was famous for going for runs. Uh, so all of his social security or social security, all of his secret service guys had to get in shape because they had to go run with him. Uh, um, and, yes. uh, you know, and good. And, you need something. Yeah. Something you know, to, and Trump plays golf and, and Obama played basketball and Gerald Ford fell down airplane stairs. I mean, everybody yeah. had to get exercise one way or another. God, Todd. I know. From everything that I have ever heard about Gerald Ford, he was a very decent man. He absolutely. And quite honestly, you know, uh, I, I've read several things saying that of our, all, of our, all of our presidents, he was probably one of the most athletic. I mean, he was well, a, yeah, he uh, was a college athlete, wasn't he? Yeah, he, he was a he was a, uh, a quite good college athlete and, and physically fit, you know. And but it's just funny that, you know, he picked a, there were a couple times where he like stumbled and Chevy Chase, you know, talk about Saturday Night Live again. Uh, Chevy Chase did a parody of that, and and forever in our minds, Gerald Trump is uh, Gerald Trump. Gerald Ford is the president <laughs> who bum fumbled and tripped over stuff, you yes. know. And you know he does it. He, he trips or stumbles like twice in his entire life on camera, and and that's how he's branded for the rest of history. Yes, um, you know it's yes, like. Well. Uh, you know, like Tina Fey's Nazi Russia from her house. I know, but but everybody, <laughs> you know, for the rest of her life, they're gonna go. I can't believe you said you could see Russia from your house, and she's gonna look at them and go, "I didn't, I didn't." <laughs> yes, and, and I never said that. Um, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I and, didn't. And, and and President Bush, uh, George H. W. Bush, didn't say the word strategery. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> that was yeah. Will Ferrell. Yep. <laughs> Yes, summing up his presidency in one word. <laughs> yeah, and what people don't remember funny. was that the response was from um, the I don't remember who it was that was playing um, uh, Al Gore, but his was Black Box. Oh, that's right. It was Daryl Hammond. Yeah, it was Daryl Hammond. That's right. And then he got he got yelled at for two words because it wasn't one word. <laughs> it's two words. Two words. That's not fair. <laughs> oh, Strategic. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's funny, funny stuff. Yeah. yeah. So I, I have been thinking about you know uh, putting in a garden, and then I waited too long in the spring because uh-huh. you know it gets so stinking hot out here. But now we're starting to move into fall. Maybe I should think about putting in a fall garden. I put in a garden at the beginning of summer, and uh, it died. Literally yeah. everything died. And part of it was uh, uh, it was just so stinking hot. And part of it was uh, we had some critters in the area that ate my stuff, ate my plants. Oh, that's a bummer. And, uh, yeah, so it was like, okay, now I've got to build some sort of a, like, greenhouse space protecting you know how am i going to protect my plants now is what i got to figure out and uh you know and of course greenhouses that make it even hotter so yes. it's like oh yeah goody. that is a, no it'd be 150 degrees in there in the summer yeah yeah i'm exaggerating so, but maybe not by much no i don't know that you really are you know inside a greenhouse when it's 115 out uh inside is going to be probably close to you're going to be baking you know it's like hey i'm raising baked potatoes <laughs> Wait, what? Yeah. 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 So I think that's a, a good idea. I mean, um, 
you know, I, I don't know how to cook beans. I love beans. I love beans and eat beans all the time, different, all different kinds. And I don't know how, I, I say I don't know how to cook them. I don't know how to grow them. Uh, I know how to cook them, but I don't know how to grow say, them. I was going to say, we just talked about that the other day with the Instant Pot, right? Didn't we? Yes. Yes, we did. <laughs> Didn't you just cook some beans? <laughs> I'm yes. confused. No, no, no. I don't know yeah, how yeah, to grow Yeah, yeah, yeah. You just misspoke. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, so you must be, you know, suffering from dementia because you misspoke. Uh, it's it. I, yes. Uh, okay. <laughs> Joe Biden. Joe Biden. Uh, yeah, I misspoke. I said one word and instantly caught it. Joe Biden looks confused everywhere he goes. I think the man is suffering from dementia. I really yeah. do. I, I I disagree with you, but you know, I mean, it, everybody sees what they want to see in these things. So, um, you know, I mean, he's he's never been a a um, eloquent speaker. He has often misspoke throughout his life, and and bum fumbled things. And when people point it out, then he you know kind of corrects himself, and you know, and. I think that people were accepting of it when he was, you know, Uncle Joe, the senator, as he's becoming president, they're becoming critical because it's an easy point of attack. Um, now, is it perhaps something that's getting a little worse because he's a jillion years old? Possibly. But I don't know that well, it's dementia. I haven't, I haven't seen and, evidence of that. But And I don't know. And I can't speak for anyone else but myself. It's not a right. point of attack for me. It's, you know, I'm right. not, I'm not attacking. I, well, I'm just saying that I'm, for, I'm for saying the Republicans. Observe, I'm describing what I'm, I am observing. Right. I'm just saying that Republicans are using that as a point of political attack to say that he's incompetent um, because he, he can't string a sentence together. And I'm going, well, then he's been incompetent his entire life because he's never been able to string a sentence together. Um, you know, there's a reason that that he um, hadn't uh, been selected as the nominee in past attempts because he sounds like a bozo when he's trying to talk sometimes. I'm sorry. No, Trump's the bozo. He's the, he's the the befuddled old man. So you gotta get your don't don't mix up your your attack metaphors, right? So so California has reopened the, the door to reparate or has opened the door to reparations uh, for slavery. Uh, now, what's wrong with that? What's what can, what is wrong with this picture? California, on what level? The, the fact that California wasn't in the Civil War at all. The fact that nobody who was in the Civil War is alive now. That your re reparations imply that you're doing something because you did something bad. You're 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 making good on something you did bad. I didn't do anything bad. Uh, I never owned a slave. Um, you know that nobody in California was, you know, part of the Civil War. I mean, it, just. Well, yeah, on what level is that wrong? <laughs> it's hard to find a level. It's it's hard to not find a level that that's wrong. But okay. Yes. So yes, so California Governor Gavin Newsom on Wednesday signed a law that is the first step toward a state potentially paying reparations to Black residents. The law calls calls for the creation of a nine-member task force to make recommendations as to how such reparations could be made, particularly to descendants of slaves. Um, in addition, possibilities like compensation and restitution, uh, the task force may recommend changes to discriminatory state, discriminatory state laws and policies or ideas like issuing a formal apology. When you start looking at the difference between poor whites and poor blacks, it's an enormous wealth gap just among those groups alone, one assemblywoman says. So hopefully they will get to look Based at what policies. What? Yeah, exactly. Based on her opinion. So hopefully they will look at what policies we put in place and they'll have a list of policies they believe the legislature might want to take up. Uh -huh. So 
they so were what they should have together. titled that article was Gavin Newsom sucks up to every black uh, black individual by offering to give them uh, look into giving them money for free. Yes, 100%. That, that's what they should have titled that article. Yes, a hundred percent. So um, uh, the task force will also put together a report on the effects of slavery and systemic racism on black residents of the state and advised how the public could be educated on those impacts. Um, so, uh, pay attention in yeah. history class in school. That's how you could be educated on that stuff. Yes. You know, yes. get parents to, to emphasize to their children that education is important and make them do their homework. That's how you could learn that stuff and make it more important and emphasize it. Yeah. I, I actually saw a meme that I thought was hilarious and, uh, because people say, well, I didn't learn that in school. It was a, it was a response from teachers. Yes, you did. You were talking. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was taught in school. No, you're right. You didn't learn it in school because you weren't paying attention in class. <laughs> Don't exactly. disagree with you at all there. You know, yes. Because you didn't think so, it was important. You know, California, state of California is going to be engaging in a wealth transfer. That's really what we're talking about. Yeah. You know. Because right now so, is the perfect time for that because we've got so much wealth and abundance and everything's going so well that we should just take some money and, you know, you know, give it to, to a specific group of people because yes. we've got tons of extra money right now. You know, everybody's – the economy is just flying. <laughs> yeah. So – as if there wasn't I... enough going on, this is what Gavin Newsom's trying to do with his time. You know, it's exactly. funny because as the COVID thing has hit and, and you know, I've, I've sat and watched some of his uh, daily briefs and stuff. And I've actually been very impressed with how he's handled what's going on with COVID for the most part in terms of the early reactions to it. Um, uh, I think that he did a reasonably good job, um, you know, and, and I, I admired the fact that he was not. One of the Democrats, you know, using this as an opportunity to say, well, COVID wouldn't have happened if we'd had a different person as president because that's baloney on its face. And, you know, and he actually came out and said, you know, every time I've called the president, the president's picked up the phone and he's listened to me and he's helped us do what we needed to do and get what we needed to get. You know, and as a Democrat, that's kind of a risky thing to do. But he did it and he said it. And and I admired him for that. Um, This is how he's spending his spare time is putting together a task force to look at reparations and that is such a clear and obvious gambit to attract african-american voters uh 42 days or 32 days out from an election is just well, it, beyond me i think he's actually thinking about a longer game than that he's going to run for president whether oh, it happens sure. in four years or eight years he's going to run yeah yeah i don't disagree but i mean he certainly you know his timing for this is clearly about I know. Up, upcoming elections to 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 endear uh, African Americans to Democratic causes. Yep. So on to some little a little scarier news. Um, there's been a swarm of earthquakes, uh, the largest of which had a 4.9 magnitude um, just south of the Salton Sea in Imperial County, um, and um, you know in the in two and a half hours, 40. Five earthquakes of at least 3.0 magnitude struck the Westmoreland area. Um, wow. Yeah, and that swarm. Okay, so it is. They say that it's that it's that it's not exactly on the San Andreas, but it's only 30 kilometers south um, of the of the end of the San Andreas. So it's in the Brawley seismic zone. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, um, uh, and um, 
It's in the anyway. jiggly zone. Yes, it's it's. If you Terrible look at movie, where the San the Andreas is, it it it's it's like right there. Yeah. You know, just a, you know, just on the just a little bit. Like yeah, a, yeah. Like it's it, 30 it, it may not away. be on the San Andreas, but it's on a tributary. <laughs> yes. And so that's a lot of activity. Forty-five earthquakes mm-hmm. in, a, in a two and a half hour span. And Everything so, I've I've read in the past says though that that's not necessarily a bad thing, and that that those kinds of of um, uh, quakes release a lot of stress and lessen the chance of one really big one. Well, so Lucy Jones was um, mm-hmm. uh, did comment because she is the earthquake earthquake guru in California, um, and and she said that. I mean, it's we don't know. It's essentially you know. It, yeah, it it could be foreboding or it could not be. We don't know, and and so, you know, if you if you just Which have thirty helpful when the you. scientists tell you. Oh. Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, and that's that, but that's earthquakes. I mean, it's yeah, just, be honest, I appreciate it. You know. Yes, she said it. You know, yes, exactly. So, would it be better if um, we wear masks? <laughs> no, but but if you don't have an earthquake kit, it might be a good idea to put one together. If you. If you, you know, are, are mm-hmm. going anywhere or even if you're not, have studi- sturdy shoes by you, you know, know how to turn off the gas to your house, you know, that kind of I just recently stuff. redid my earthquake kit and, and, and reassembled it as I was going through storage and putting it all together and said, you know, some of this should actually be where I can get to it. So, um, you know, I redid it, which was not a bad idea, I think. Uh, no, not a bad and idea. If, and if you're going to have an earthquake kit or a, or a bug out bag, it's probably a good idea that you put it somewhere in proximity to you so that you can get to it um then yes. that was sort of my thought so i did that so so yeah yeah um, you familiar with the name timothy ray brown no probably not he was known as the berlin patient he was the first person to be cured of hiv um, oh. he had hiv and uh and after going through a series of meds and stuff he then tested HIV free, stopped his meds, and continued to be HIV free. Um, he just died of cancer. Oh, if how it's old not one he? thing; it's another. It'll get you. Um, let's see. Does it say? Uh, doesn't say how old he is. Uh, but uh, basically, uh, he um, yeah, he was the first person who went through a process um, uh, of basically killing off the virus inside of his body and was was um, announced to be HIV-free back in 2012. And so he was the first person that uh, uh, to do that. He was diagnosed in uh, HIV, no, it was 2012? HIV while he was studying in Berlin in 1975, uh, 1995. In 2005, he was di- diagnosed with leukemia. Uh, to treat his leukemia, they used a stem cell pre- uh, uh, stem cell transplant, and they said that the transplant then gave him a rare genetic mutation that gave him natural resistance to HIV, and so then they followed up with that, and that's how they then saw, basically cured him was through um, this mutation that they were able to identify, which is interesting. Interesting. I wonder interesting. what the, how the study of that has continued. You know, is it like if they found a genetic mutation, is it a way that is it something that you can then, you know, create and give to people in their bone marrow that will then make them HIV resistant? Um, I've not read anything about that previously, but uh, anyhow, um, apparently that he wasn't the only one who has had that same treatment and people uh, and had similar results. So 
people who um, were HIV positive and after going through that process were found to be HIV res resistant later or free, HIV free. So anyway, um, unfortunately, he uh, didn't have HIV, but he ended up having dying of, of cancer, of leukemia. So uh, he was born in 1966. Oh, so he was so. he was young. Yeah. I mean, so. not not. You know, fifty-four. Not, it's a little different when you die of cancer and you're ninety than if you yeah. die of cancer and you're fifty-four. Yeah. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, and, and it just nobody gets out of this world alive. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's why when we started this, I said if it's not one thing, it's another. I'm, you know, doing my Rosanna Dana. <laughs> Rosanna, Rosanna Dana. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, yes. If it's not no. one thing, it's another. <laughs> oh, she was good. And she also died of cancer. Um, so is there any tech news? Anything exciting happening in the tech world? Well, let's see. Uh, Google announced the new uh, phone yesterday, day before yesterday, something like that. I don't know. Uh, so they, they came out with their... Um, uh, they came out actually what they did is they updated the previous phone and came out with a new phone and uh both of them are and i'm trying to find the exact info here but i'm not seeing it but anyway both of them are 5g phones so they'll t attach to the newer 5g networks as well as continuing to connect to lte which for most people i recommend don't worry about 5g at this point it's not going to buy you anything that you don't already have it has lots of potential but the 5G modems in your phones uh, suck a lot of energy. And in fact, most of the 5G phones, if you buy one today, are going to run on LTE virtually everywhere. If you happen to be in an area where 5G will be present, it, it will attach to that network. But it will suck a lot more energy out of your phone and your battery will die quicker. So, um, uh, you know, they're balancing that, doing that balancing act. It's rumored that the next Apple phones that are going to come out in the next uh, week or two will also be 5G phones, and, and they will probably do a better job than most in terms of balancing that use of energy versus the faster speed. But um, either, you know, you, you're still you're, you're dealing with the same thing, is that, that the, uh, the 5G modems in the phone require more electricity and will then drain the battery more quickly. Um, and so, um, you know you got to rob Peter to pay Paul. You, you can either have faster speed or, and, and slower and less battery or more battery and, and relatively slower speed. But then, you know, how many people are on their phone sitting waiting for a page to refresh? I mean, think about this. If when you go to hit the button half the time, the issue isn't with how fast your Internet connection is. It's, it's how good the Internet connection is, uh, meaning reliable, and how fast... Or how busy the server is and this won't change anything to do with the server and it won't do anything to change with reliability it'll just have to do with how quickly the actual speed is so when from when the page starts to load to when it's finishing to load do you have long waits do you watch bits and pieces start popping up on your screen once in a while but for most people it's not going to make that big a deal 5g is oh. not going to be a big it's not going to be a a a sea change like going to LTE was over you know uh, 4G was over 3G it's not that big a jump um, in terms of actual what you see on a screen you know you've already got a connection that's good enough for you to watch video on it's true you know, I do it all the time the um, the big pitch 
and people don't like to talk about this, but the big pitch is going to be that the vendors are at some point going to say, okay, 5G is fast enough. It has a wide enough bandwidth that you now will just buy a 5G modem and set it in your house, and that will be your internet connection instead of running a wire to your house. You won't attach to your cable or to your phone line anymore. You'll just get your, your house internet over the over the airwaves. And the reason that they want to do that has to do with the negotiations that the, the internet service providers did with the government. Uh, a few years back, the internet service providers wanted to change the way they build. They wanted to charge you basically by the bit that you that, that came down. In other words, uh, you know, every if you downloaded a hundred megabit or a, a ten megabit or gigabit movie or something, they would charge you X amount of dollars or cents or whatever for that chunk of stuff that you brought down. Um, and and the uh, the government said, well, no, wait a minute, you've already done that, and why? Why would we let you do that where you can? Because then what they'll be able to do is discriminate between which bits come down. They'll charge you X amount of bits from this location and, and less less for bits from that location. It'll be like going to the grocery store is what they said. And the government said, well, you've already provided us this. You're going to go to that setup, and that's going to be less beneficial to customers. So the government said, no, if you have a wired connection, a bit is a bit. You have a connection to the internet. You can tell them how much, how many bits per second. You can you can tell them how big their pipe is, but you can't discriminate between the bits coming down that line. However, at the same time that they agreed that that would be the way that you have to treat it when it's coming down a wire, because that's the way it had already traditionally been for for many years, they said when it's coming over the airwaves, you can discriminate. And so they're going to push us to wireless connections because they can then bill us differently and make more money. <laughs> so I'm guessing you're not going to be an early adopter of that technology. No, not at all. And in fact, I, I, I might, might uh, get a connection, a wireless connection that way when it becomes available just to see what it's like, to see if there's really any advantages. But I can guarantee you that once they have those connections all built out and they can provide home internet to everybody wirelessly, that suddenly it's going to be too expensive to maintain the wires in the ground and wireless stuff won't even be offered at some point. They'll just quit offering that because it's like, well, that that costs a lot of money to maintain. We have to have all these crews out fixing wire breaks and and, uh, you know, and and to be honest, I don't disagree with them that the technology is better in the long run. There there are places in Africa where they've got better Internet connectivity than we have here because they built their entire infrastructure wirelessly. And so there's less points of failure. And, and it just you know, it's it's kind of a mesh network on a large scale and it works better in a lot of cases. But because of the way we've set up the laws, it's also going to mean that they can charge us more. Hmm. Yeah. Of course they will. Because yeah. it's not and, expensive enough. Right. Well, and what's happening is a lot of people are dropping their cable subscriptions and the cable companies and the and and the phone companies who sell cable now because most of them do. Um, you know, and I, when I say cable, I mean television connectivity. Um, are all going to uh, you know, they they want to replace revenue because people are are dropping those subscriptions and saying I just want internet access and I can watch what I want that way, and so 
you know, they charged 60 bucks for an internet access, and they were charging 150 bucks to to get HBO and Cinemax and your local TV channels. And so, they've lost a lot of revenue, and they're now looking. Well, let, let, how can we force the people to give us back money? And this is how they're going to do it. They're going to start offering, and they're going to you know basically entice and say it's better, it's faster, and it's 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 you know all that in the bag of uh, bag of chips. chips and. Yeah, and then they're going to um, slowly start letting the other system, the the connected wired connections to the internet, just die, and say, "Well, sorry, we don't have you know, we have it, but it it it's going to take us two days to get a crew over there to fix it. If you'd like us to set up wireless to your house, we can do that for free and just switch you over, and and they'll the next thing you know, everybody be on that, and then they'll be charging you by the bit, and is no bueno, and we as consumers need to stand up and, st- and stomp our feet and say we don't like this this is bad and we don't like you and you're all awful people i honestly am a firm <laughs> believer in in that that either either we treat the connectivity i i think that wired connectivity to the house should be a a uh, uh a utility? utility just like gas and electric and that that should be provided uh, through contract as a basic minimum service to everybody. And just like there's emergency uh, low-cost or free service to, to um, those who, who qualify for telephones and electrical and, and gas to their homes, you should have Internet, especially in this time. So we've just sh- you know, we're showing ever more that kids need to be able to have access to the Internet just to be able to do their school. And it's ridiculous to think that there's people who are, you know, sitting in, in McDonald's and Starbucks parking lots trying to attach to Wi-Fi so they can get schoolwork done. Um, yeah, so, I, you know, I mean, I th- and, and if they do that, then that's bare minimum. And then anybody who's buying uh, a faster thing is basically buying, uh, you know, an ups, upsell, upgrade to, to a higher level of service if they want it, if they want more bandwidth or, or more consistent throughput or whatever. Um, uh, now the flip side argument is is that when they go to wireless, then you no longer have this weird infrastructure in the ground that it has a huge barrier to entry, so there'll be more competition, and that could drive the price down. And that's the argument. We'll see if it happens. Is that you know if twenty seven different wireless vendors are in my town, I can pick the cheapest one because one's as good as another, right? But again, the argument I would say that's not valid because you you know one company owns the towers that has the, the transponders on them, and cities won't let you just stick towers up wherever you want in order to have good connectivity because they're ugly, and so uh, and so you know again cities are are allowing one vendor to have basically a monopoly or two vendors to have a monopoly on where towers are and everybody has to go through them and pay them fees to use those towers, so there's not really competition in that. So uh, that's the thing is, is if, if it was real competition, I would say go for it because competition will, will give us the right price. But it's not real competition. And if it's not real competition, then just admit that it's not competition to make it a utility. Hmm. I, I, I don't disagree. Um, yeah, I don't disagree, uh, you know, uh, because I think that especially when when a time when people have to go to school online and, you know, kids have to go to school online and, and, uh, parents are working from home whenever mm-hmm. possible and all of that, it's become, it's just magnified and amplified the need uh, for everyone to have access, yeah. um, to, to the internet. 
So yeah, well, and what we've learned too is by you know having done this is that I think even when we go back to school, more and more schools are going to require that their teachers use a hybrid methodology even when when kids are back in classrooms because there's excuse me advantages to it. You know, if you're sick or you can't get into school for a day, or you know if there are um, uh, localized outbreaks and different uh, uh, of things, there's tons of reasons for all of that information to be online and you know previously they'd gone to like online grading and stuff but why not put all your assignments and stuff online as well as teach them in the classroom it's like you've got to create that that um, that slideshow and that presentation for the classroom so just continue to use the same online tools to do it and you know we we have pointed out a real gap in our in our um, society in terms of internet access during this time and so we need to fill that gap and figure out how to how to make it you know available to lots of people because it has for those who have internet and don't have any issues with it and have you know um phones and and connectivity um it's it's become a vital part of our lives it's it's not you know i mean how how many people I, I know you do a lot of your grocery shopping even, right, online, and they yes. deliver to your door. Yeah, I, I use Instacart. Yeah, my parents do the same thing. You know, they're elderly and don't want to be out and about. They, they're concerned about exposing themselves. And uh, and so, you know, you go online, you say, I want this, this, and this, and this, and this, and it shows up on your doorstep. I mean, that kind of thing doesn't happen if you don't have good Internet. It's true. You know, and I know. It was, it's true. There's kids out there who are trying to to uh, do classwork on a phone because that's the only thing that's connected. Because all their they've house. got, yeah, it's true, very true. Yeah. And we are on that happy note, out of, yeah. out, out of time. Happy, happy. <laughs> so yeah, well, something we're wrapping it up. Towards. Yeah, to give us something happy to t- think about as we as yes. we say goodbye. Yes. Um, so uh, I'm Aaron Brinker. Oh, you're not going to give something happy. You didn't have anything to go with. Oh, <laughs> What's happy what is you're... we're done. <laughs> no, 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 no. I was being like, I think you know, talking about about um, public policy. Oh my goodness, I'm so sorry. So, uh, what is happy? It's a beautiful day outside. It's going to be hot, but the heat wave is going to end soon. And you know, life is good. There you go. That's we're happy. all, you know, we're all here. We're we're here complaining, which means we're alive, right? Exactly. Exactly. And and some of these things are within our power to fix, right? So yeah. you know, if you if you if you want if you want um uh greater access or you know, you want to make a public you make basic access to internet in a home mm-hmm. pu- uh, public utility, then we have the power to lobby our uh elected officials to make that happen. Yeah. I-, I think that would be a worthwhile thing to do. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and you know what, everybody your attitude is 100% controlled by you. You decide yes. how you react to the world around you. And so don't let them impose on you. You make your decisions about if you're going to be happy and how you're going to be happy. All right. So we do need to wrap this up. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm Todd Brinker. I'm Aaron Brinker. And sorry for my awkwardness as I... Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm awkward. I'm sorry. Well, I kind of threw it to you in a very weird way, so without any warning. <laughs> we're awkward. It's like, hey, quick, think of something happy. Goodbye. We're the, we're the awkward. I'm like, okay, bye. No, uh, we're the awkward uh, uh, twins today. Yeah. I'm Aaron Brinker, and uh, we were. Uh, we will see you tomorrow. You can catch us on KCAA in Southern California, 
uh, go to kcaaradio.com um, and you can catch us here at backfromthebrink.live. Yeah. Have a Ask great day, your Schmatrexa to play KCAA at 6 a.m. Pacific time. That's right. Well, yes, yes, and we will be there. <laughs> we'll be there 6 a.m. Pacific time tomorrow. Exactly. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you.